I'm Ramel London and welcome to the Mainstream Podcast. Today I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with a good friend of mine who I've loved seeing dominate the radio airwaves, our TV screens and the UK's biggest and best red carpets for all of the hottest films. Uh, known as the Beyonce of Peckham, to her day once. Uh, <laughs> breakfast babe for her loyal Capital Extra listeners and a professional chatterbox to those watching her break into the mainstream. It is Yinka Bikini! We did it! I know. We're here! I can't believe it. Welcome to the mainstream. Thank you, Sia. Thank you for having me and thank you for inviting me back on even though we had to reschedule. <laughs> Hey, rescheduling is, is part of the industry. Oh, for real. Like, look at the pandemic. I know. You just reschedule life. <laughs> but no, I'm so excited to speak to you because I honestly, the fact that we've known each other for so long, but when I was actually planning this, I was like, there's actually things I don't know about you. Really? Like, there's quite a few things I don't know about you or Ooh. how we got here. So um, I really look forward to kind of hearing more of that. But um, I think most importantly... We met through a mutual friend, yes, Tayo, who is amazing. Yes. Uh, so we've always kind of seen each other out and about or like raving. And we've always just, I feel like we were just always at the, the right places at the right time. I, I think that our paths crossed before we met as well. Because when we talk about like Till 2 yeah. and like November's very own and yeah. like Sunday show. Yeah. And I'm like, was Ramel my, f-? I'm showing my age now, you know. <laughs> but like, was, was Ramel my friend then? But Temi... Tayo, yeah, um, yeah, kind of introduced us when she worked on your live show, right? Yeah, when I used to do Rate Me Please. Yeah, when you used to wear wear the inches. Oh my God, yeah, had we? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and the peplum. Remember, you were a style icon before your time. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they were the times, they were the times. But yeah, we definitely was always in the same circles and mm-hmm. like just living our best 20-something lives. Yeah. Um, but I, what one thing I always found and love about you is that you're such a people person. Like you always just check on, you're right babe, how are you? (laughs) And I feel like this is probably because of your upbringing because you're one of seven, right? I am, I am, very loud. I love that, I love that, I love big families, I'm a big family as well. So um, what was your household like growing up? Um, Messy, Uh, but no, (laughs) it's, it's, I, I'm, I think it's part of the reason why I'm not somebody who experiences the sort of anxiety and nerves in the traditional way that a lot of presenters do when they go on set or if they have to do a live show or you've got a DJ in front of like 50,000 people, whatever it is. Most people sort of lose their their nerve or, you know, they're like, can I do this before they go on? Whereas I'm like, yeah, I've got this because Sunday dinner at my house, if you don't tell an interesting story, the floor is not yours. Oh, wow. You know, public speaking... I mean, if I go dinner at my sister's house, there's like 25 people there. This what? Is, yeah, because obviously I've got I've got six siblings yeah. and then they've all got youths and then they've got partners who yeah, then have fair. family. Okay, fair. And then like if my partner comes or, you know, I might I might bring Temi or Remy or, yeah, or yeah, whoever, yeah. then before you know it, it's it's a part A. And if you want to tell a story, you better you you better come with some good anecdotes, boy. So I think my sense. my sort of family life and growing up set me up well for being sort of the professional attention seeker that I've, I've, I've become. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But I'll say it's made you the creative that you are. Yeah, and, and also because I am one of many in my mm-hmm. sort of household, it's that sort of thing of if you're not quick or if you're not, if you take things too personally, you probably wouldn't survive in a, in a big family. Yeah. Um, and all of us are super close together in age as well. I think between the oldest and the youngest, there's only about 12 years. Oh, so my nice. mum spent about a decade pregnant. Aww. So, um, yeah, it just it just sets you up for it. And, and obviously they're my best friends. I mean, I'm with them all the time. And they are my biggest fans and not my harshest critics, but the most honest with me. So if something doesn't slap or if they think that I can do better or whatever it is, they'll always let me know. And I know it comes from a place of love. Definitely. So it's it's a good way to check in with them. But growing up was very interesting. I mean, <clears throat> if you didn't make yourself known, they might forget to feed you because there's oh. just so many plates. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And do you know what? I think it's so important that you guys are so aware that you, you're fighting, but oh. it's fighting out of love. Oh, yeah. Fighting out of true oh, love. Oh, trust me. Like, every day is a roast. <laughs> and we don't know who the subject's going to be. And I'm also not the Beyonce of my family. Oh, they let you know that. I know yeah, that for yeah. sure. <laughs> they let you like, know I, that. I am not the most important. Like, it is equally shared. So even though in life I might host the show mm-hmm. or I might, you know, be on the red carpet or be the subject of this podcast, yeah. in my family WhatsApp group, 
it's it's not about it's not about me. I was gonna say that because everyone's very creative. Like yeah. obviously Collar is killing it as an actor. Ted Lasso, he's been in like Top Boy, all these kind yeah, of shows. Yeah, Top Boy, Black Mirror. Yeah, oh my gosh, Black Mirror. And yeah. then you've got your sisters who are photographers, artists, all that kind of stuff. You're all very, very creative. Yeah. So was that encouraged by your parents? Because you're from Nigerian and Irish descent. Were they encouraging of creativity? Nah. <laughs> they, they weren't. I didn't grow up in a militant house. I think now I'm... Now I'm an adult, I can see how relaxed my mum's parenting style was okay. and, my, and my dad's parenting style was. I think there were pressures academically, probably yeah. more so on those of us who showed a little bit of inkling for academics and, and, a, and a little bit of a, of a, of a, I don't know, like a, a like a, like, I get this. Okay. So I was, I was quite book smart. When, oh, okay. when I was younger and I did super well at school. So there was a little bit of pressure on me to continue that through yeah. education and through uni. Right. But then for some of my other siblings who didn't enjoy school as much or if it wasn't for them, they were encouraged to do what it is that they wanted to do, but do it at a certain standard. So if you're going to do it, be good. Yeah, do it well. <laughs> do it well. That makes sense. Yeah, but I think that when you sort of... So my parents were both immigrants, like even my mum from Ireland. Yeah. And so... You know, I I had this conversation with with my dad actually that you know when you sort of marry someone, you go to a different country, you have all these kids. Yes, of course your culture exists and mm -hmm. and it should be respected and we should be engrossed in it and we should live in it. But we, we're also from London, we're also from Peckham, we also grow up in this environment. Like this is our reality. Yeah. So I think they were they tried to make sure that they were aware of that, whilst also you know making me go to uni. <laughs> It's by force. <laughs> Do you know what? We all had, you know, you always have that kind of parent that's kind of going to check on and be like, what are, you, what are you actually doing with they yourself? They want you to do well. Yeah, they want you to do well. Yeah. So in your mind, did you have an idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up? I had no idea. Really? No, I had no idea. I didn't even know. Even when I started presenting at Rinse, which is obviously where we proper met. Yeah, cross bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is... 10 years ago maybe more now possibly like maybe 30 yeah 12 years maybe it's been it's been it's been know, a long time many yeah. kids have been born since then not but, us but no no no, no. <laughs> the shop is closed no but when i when i um even when i was at rinse i didn't really realize or fathom that this was a career that you could be successful in and you okay. could make money i just i, I don't know maybe because it's so fun and especially at the yeah. time when i was first getting into knowing what being a broadcaster and a presenter was mm -hmm. i i didn't get it like i would listen to people on the radio and just just it just didn't click that this is what they go to the office every day and they yeah. work every day yeah it took me a while to realize that you can make money from this that you can be successful from this and you yeah. can have a long career um, yeah. But no, I, I I've been fired from so many jobs. No, okay, let's let's break that down. No, what, when you say fired, I mean, is it pack up your stuff and go go go? Like I mean, get what out. What kind of jobs were you fired no, from? Like so, I was I was fired. I used to work at um at Proud Camden. You got fired from there? Yeah, yeah, because 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 I, I said I was sick and I, I I was out. And they caught you slipping. Yeah, but, yeah, but, like, but I also kept doing it. Like, so um, so I got yeah, I got fired from there, and I also I've been fired from like different bars and you know like shops. And I I think it's safe to say that up until I became a presenter, um, and I haven't been fired yet from any Amen. jobs. Um, but you know, let me just touch all the wood. Um, but yeah, no, I I I was just an unserious person. I mean. You know, one one time I was working in a restaurant and one of my mates, their sister was on Big Brother. Okay. So, um, and I wanted to go to the eviction because she was up for eviction, but obviously I had a shift. So I was like, can you call and then tell them there was a, like an emergency? Not you bringing and then I'm, in. And then, because I was at work. And then she called and was like, your house is being burgled. Oh, that's, like, that's not, not a good, the, how mm -mm. do you know? You should have trained her. Yeah, so anyway, I, I went. So I managed <laughs> to get out. I went and I was like, you know, get blah blah out or whatever. I'm, I'm all on. It was on Channel Five of at the time, so I'm all there TV. with with the placard. Yinka. And then the next day, I went back into work, and they were like, "How's your house?" And I was like, "Fine, yours." And then they were like, "No, you got burgled." And I was like, "Oh yeah." <sighs> and then, you know, they took me into the office and just like played the tape. No. And I was like, "I'll I'll go. Uh, I'll clear my locker, shall I?" You right. You right. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. That's fine. An unserious human well, being. I mean, but clearly that wasn't your portion. No. You weren't supposed to be doing those jobs. Amen. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I have to dis disclose, because some people don't know, that you studied law. Yeah. 
you graduated in law. Yeah. You did really, really well. Yeah. However, you said this ain't for me. It's not for me. <laughs> why did you? Why did that happen? Well, I, I, I think when you're younger and when you pick what you're doing at uni, it's a big decision mm. for an 18, 19, however old you are. Very true. If you go to uni, sort of like the traditional way, um, it's a very big decision. And and I just. I just, I just was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll study that or medicine because I just had lots of UCAS points. I went you to college for ages. You are so Nigerian. How can you say? My Lord. dad was like, mm, good choice. <laughs> you, I mean, at least they were happy, right? Yeah, and and I, and I think I stuck at it and sort of completed it hmm. because I just didn't want to fail and I, and I and I didn't want to, you know, have the debt over my head anyway and not have anything to show for it. But once you know it was official. And once I was, um, the shackles had been taken off my feet so I could dance in the in, in real life, I just didn't look back. So some people think that I trained or some people, no, no, no. It's just that the same as a bachelor's, but it's called yeah. an LLB. Okay. And it's just the equivalent. And it just means that I read law, which is the way you say study. So like I read law at uni and yeah. then and then I um, left and never looked back. Fair enough. Yeah. But I think that's, that's the encouraging thing because the fact that you are a presenter, a broadcaster and you studied law and didn't go into, you didn't do the, you know, media studies or anything like yeah. that. It kind of gives hope for people that are doing a course but are really passionate about the creative industry because oh, yeah. I'm sure there's people that are out there studying. Like, I know loads of like comedians and presenters that study politics or geography yeah. and they're like, oh crap, I don't have any media experience. So yeah. what is your advice to someone that's possibly doing a different course completely but still wants to be in the creative industry? I think just do it anyway, do it in any way you can. Um, when I was studying and when I was at uni, it was before I realized that I wanted to be a presenter or mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that involved communication. So because I didn't know what I wanted to do, I tried to involve myself and envelop myself fully okay. into that moment. But I think if you know that this kind of isn't what you want to do, yeah. I would say just try stick it because it's good to complete things and you never know when it might come up and you never know when it might be relevant to your life. True, very but, true. But see where the passion is. Yeah. I think in times where there isn't any passion and in times where you do feel a bit stagnant, that's the time that inspiration can come to you or opportunities. You just have to open your eyes a little bit. Facts. And I would always say just start. Like even if you wanted to be a presenter and you're studying biomechanics yeah <laughs> you can sort of you know start making videos about that so true because then you can have your niche exactly lane and, all and you're an expert in that field exactly. as well yeah so I think that sort of marrying your interests with what it is you're already qualified for is a really good way it's a good segue into what it is that you want to be doing and it, it won't necessarily box you in because people are allowed to do more than one thing at once and people are allowed to like more than one mm -hmm. thing at once but it could be your way to start talking about something you're comfortable with yeah Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well said. <laughs> See this while she's on the podcast. <laughs> All right. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to be a presenter? Um, have I decided? No, I'm joking. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're clearly doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, well, actually, it was, uh, I think I was like 20 something. Okay. And um, because... I will say that I got into this like industry late, but then I, I, I err on the side of caution of saying that because I don't yeah. think that like 25 is late. There's no age. No, yeah. there's no age, but just in comparison to my peers and, and people who sort of start in media, traditionally you start a little bit earlier and I was like a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, but I was already at rinse yeah. when I decided that I wanted to be a presenter. So tell me about that. What was the whole rinse situation? Because it, um, I'm hearing that you just saw an ad and you were like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so disclaimer, you know, the owner of Rinse is a friend of a friend. Oh, is it? Is a friend of a oh, friend. Oh, okay, that helps. Um, I'd never, but I'd never <laughs> met G. I'd never met him. Okay. And um, so Genius um, owns Rinse FM. And basically what happened is that we went out like on Christmas Day Circle. Yeah, yeah rave. obviously. Honestly, it was a very good time. <laughs> and... Um, I, I, I was never really a drinker or anything like that. So I was just sitting down and I met this guy and he was like, oh yeah, I run a radio station. And I was like, mm, I've watched Honey. <laughs> These fake mm. owners. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, you're funny. You should sort of apply. Okay. And then I was like, all right, sure. And then, um, but it sort of like got into my brain. So then when okay. I went home, I had a little Google and I Googled radio stations in the UK and all that sort of stuff. And then I did see the advert for Rinse. And I was like, oh, maybe this is the same guy. So I just filled out the application form and then um, gave it in. And then I had my interview, like sort of pilot-y test audition thing with Julie. 
Um, that was your pilot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, was with Julie. We're talking about was, Julie Adenuga, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's yeah. a really well, she, cool... Well, because she, she taught me how to do radio. Aww. Yeah, big up Julie. Love that. So, um, yeah, so I had my um, pilot with her. And even when I was doing all that sort of stuff, like I said earlier, I, I didn't know it was a career. I just yeah. thought it was a hobby that people did. It's a community station. You're not going to earn big bucks being yeah, at Rinse yeah. FM, but you're going to enjoy it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that instilled the passion for me I've always loved talking. I've always loved music. I've always loved communicating. Yeah. And I enjoy people. So I think being able to marry all those things together, it became a no-brainer while I was working at Rinse. And then um, I was at Rinse for, I think, like three years or something. My brain, the memories is not what it used to be. But I, <laughs> Don't worry, i got the stats and facts yeah, here. I, it's I, cool. I think it was like three years or something. Yeah. And um, when I got Rinse breakfast, I was like, oh... This is a thing. Like mm-hmm. I go in every day. Like I'm like man in the bridge. You know, if I don't press the button, the radio's off. <laughs> so, yeah. But it wasn't. It was. It wasn't a passion that I always had. And I, and I've I've never been one for. Oh, I want to be on TV or like I just want to be. It's it's not that. It's sort of being able to speak to people, being able to communicate with people. So when they started letting me do in, do interviews, yeah, and having guests on and. You know, I used to do this thing called Yinka and Friends, where I used yeah. to just bring my friends on the radio and just chat the most. Was, but you know it was just yeah the passion was instilled in me I think the sort of work ethic doing it for no reward other than having done it yeah sort of taught me a lot of lessons I love that that's such a good origin story yeah I, I wish like... it was a villain story though come on <laughs> no 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 we no, prefer but... the, the hero it's story definitely a hero thank story. you it's definitely a hero story <laughs> well, I'm sure, like me, my DMs are full of people always being like, how do you start? How do I become a presenter? So in your own words, how would you say that you actually set about getting more work and and being a presenter? Well, yeah, you're right. The the DMs are healthy. Um, I always give the same piece of advice. Mm -hmm. And I think I've sort of honed it because people have asked me quite a lot and I don't necessarily feel qualified to answer it because I'm still very much on my journey. Okay, fair. And, and most of the time, I don't know what's going on. So I'm a bit like, oh, what's going on? So, but what I say to people is that you just have to begin. Like even if you want to be a hairdresser, if you want to be a DJ, if you want to be a presenter, if you want to be whatever it is that fills that blank, I want to be blank. Yeah. You have to start because there is no way on, on God's green earth that, Channel 4 are going to DM you because they want you to work for them. Yeah. You have to be visible. You have to show people what you can do. And nowadays, of course, it's saturated because we have TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And then now we now have the threads and we, and we have lots yeah. of things. But the opportunities to showcase yourself have never been more present. So begin, you know, if you want to be a presenter, use your phone and go out on the road and start yeah. talking to people and ask people questions. And that's how you get the attention and that's how you get your foot in the door because you're showing practically what you can do if you want to be a comedian. Tell jokes. <laughs> Literally. Go to open mics. You know, yeah. that's how you meet people. I think networking has definitely changed over the years, but it has never been, I guess like it's never been more difficult and more easy okay. to, to sort of be present and show what you can do yeah and and that's that's what that's what i would advise you know most boroughs or areas of of london i'm speaking specifically but they have community stations 100 percent. you know and and no signal taught us that we can do it ourselves literally no they decided to do that yeah you know like ksi would go out and just trouble people on the road yeah and now this man have you seen his documentary have you seen his house oh my gosh i need to watch his documentary it's it's really good it's really good oh it's really good but yeah so you know it's that thing of if you want to make documentaries, go around your area and document what it is that you want to document yeah. because it doesn't mean you're, that's going to be it forever, but you have to start because before you start, how is anybody going to know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Ooh, we love it. The gems, baby, <laughs> the gems. Well, going back to what you said about starting at Rinse FM, you definitely, definitely found your feet there. Yeah. And um, I love that. I love what Rince was doing at the time because you lot were always at like the hottest parties and like Ibiza, oh like literally throwing your own raves yeah. and and then you had Yinka and Friends, which was so good to just see you come out of your shell because especially, like I said, I knew you. Well, look at her girl with all her <laughs> famous friends. Katie B is here, all these people, <laughs> da, 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 da. But like you really definitely were booked and busy from very early, which yeah. I think is 
so inspiring to people just seeing that you can do it, you can create content, all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, he was hosting events, like I'm throwing back to like the Google Hangout events. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? And like Channel AKA, big oh up Channel gosh. AKA days. That was you, Yinka. I remember, I was like, oh my gosh, she's on TV. Yeah, like, man. That was such an incredible time. So um, how did you go about putting yourself out there and especially adding to your showreel? Well, so when I decided that I had sort of completed rinse and I wanted to see what was out there. Yeah. Because I was doing breakfast and, you know, I learned it's the biggest show on every station. So breakfast gone is the most listeners because that's when people are in their cars and all that sort of stuff. I thought, what else is out there? How do you get a job somewhere else? And this is before I had representation. Okay, yeah. So what I did is I sort of started Googling and searching um, presenters that I liked and presenters that I thought were cool. So, um you know, uh, like Clara yeah. and Tania, because she had gone from Rinse to oh, Kiss. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, right. so so I thought, how did she do that? Like, what, what was that? How did that work out? Yeah. And then I sort of saw that people were represented by managers, and I thought, okay, so how do I get a manager? So I made my own showreel, and what I did is that I started listening to, because most agencies have websites, and on the websites, if it's broadcast, they'll have an audio showreel, or if yeah. it's, you know, for um, TV, they'll have a visual showreel. And I thought, okay, so I'm a radio presenter. Yeah. So I need to make a, an audio showreel. So I just listened to loads of different showreels from different presenters and different stations, different genres. And then I applied that to my rinse show. Yeah. So every day... I would record my entire show and then clip the bits that I liked. Amazing. And it took me a few months to get together a minute and a half of audio that I was you proud was happy of. With, yeah. yeah, so I started timing myself. I, I speak really fast in casual conversation. <laughs> so even now like, I, I sort of like count while I'm talking. Do you? Yeah, because I, I you know, I'm I, I just I just rush. So it's okay, baby. You can yeah, slow no, down. No, it's, a, it's a, when I'm relaxed. Yeah, like even so, like even people in this room know me. You know, innit? when I, when I'm relaxed, I go blah 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 blah. So I, I, I had to learn how to speak more articulately, and okay. you know, just and obviously, if I listen back to it now, I'm like no. But I was really proud of it at of the course. time, and I just sent it to different agencies, and then I got a manager from Wise Buddha, who at the time were a voiceover agency. Yeah. And I met a girl called Natalie, who ended up being my agent, and then they helped me get a better showreel. Amazing. And then from there, I was able to send that showreel to info at Kiss FM, at One Extra, at Capital Extra. I, I didn't, like, nobody knew me. Yeah. So I, I was just like, how do I, how do I find a producer? How do I find this? How do yeah. I find that? And then that's when I started to get pilots for other stations, and that's how I ended up on Capital Extra. Amazing, amazing. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to that. Put a pin <laughs> in that. Put a pin in that. Um, but I think it's important for people to know that being on community radio like Rinse is not paid. No. <laughs> I'm sure they, they gave you expenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got breakfast, there was a little something, something. A little something. Yeah. But a lot of people think as soon as you make it in the industry, you're making money. No. That's not true. So did you ever have that conversation with yourself with yourself about like, oh, someone wants to hire me for something? Or before you got Natalie, before you got any of your agents, did you think, oh my gosh, how much should I be charging for a booking fee? Like, was that Oh my a- gosh. <laughs> I didn't get paid for a hundred years, man. <laughs> and then actually, I think it was... I don't, I don't want to lie, so I'm going to say someone. Okay. I was hosting a show with someone, yeah, and it was like a Sunday box park show where we do this live music thing. Right, yeah? right. Like acoustic sessions or acoustic Sundays those. or something like that yeah. um, in Shoreditch. And he told me he was getting paid. <gasps> and you wasn't? No, and I was there every week. And from that day, I was like, wow. Oh. Am I a waste man? <laughs> the answer was But yes. it happens. It happens so yeah. often that people don't even know that they can be making money. And the thing is, if you think about it, you're spending money to work. 100%. Because, you know, the, the pressures of trying to, you know, get your hair done and yep. do your makeup and get there. And then, you know, you, you want to look nice. And, and then, you know, you want to do all these things and you don't have the funds to do it. Even when I was doing breakfast at Rinse FM, I had two other jobs. You know, wow. I, I used to work... So and like thank God for youth because I used to work <laughs> so much and such long days Damn. in order to do what it is that I wanted to do, which was be on the radio. Yeah. And Rinse obviously they're 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 wonderful and they're an amazing platform yeah. and they helped me as much as possible financially in order to be able to do breakfast and not be out of pocket. Yeah. But I remember I was working in this pub. I didn't get fired. From oh, this well pub done. Though. Yeah, they're really nice. <laughs> um, I would have fired me, but they didn't. they they were they were. Yeah. Considerate. They were so lovely. Passions. Yeah. yeah. But I used to 
finish radio at about 11am and then maybe do interviews until like yeah. 1. Start in the pub at 3, finish at 1am. and then Yeah, and then just like go home and, and just be looking at the ceiling for a second and then get up at 4 and go and do rinse. Like oh that's gosh. that's what I used to do in order. Because you were travelling from Peckham to East London those times, yeah, right? Yeah, and then the Ooh. pub was in Kentish Town. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> you just wanted to see London. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, let me go enjoy the site. Like honestly, the scenic route. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, just so I was able to afford it. And then after a while, you know, I, I remember I used to have this blanket fee and I thought if I can get 200 pounds for something, then ah, you're a winner. I and, you. and you know, but you know, and I'm uncomfortable around money. We anyway. all are. We all yeah. Are. And it makes me feel like even now talking about it, yeah, I can feel my shoulders rising. <laughs> and, um, but now, especially when it comes to like my friends who have come into the business later than me, I'm like, how much are you making? Yeah. And even when it came to Shayna, I know I'm skipping ahead, but when it came to Shayna with like money and stuff, I'm like, how much are they? Cause I, I can tell you what they're giving me yeah. because I don't want to be that person who's earning more than you. Like we're all here together. All of us wake up together. That's beautiful. Um, but yeah, at the time I was so scared. Like, and even to this day, like if my, if someone I know or like my friend or, or an acquaintance or if it's for charity, I'm like, no money, <laughs> no. <laughs> because I still get very uncomfortable. Oh. I, I I used to like pretend to be my own agent. You know that trick. Oh, where, we all done that. Yeah, we got and a I'm random like, name yeah. at the bottom of the signature. Come on, and then and then even I'd be like, her fee is two fifty, but I just want I just want I want two hundred pounds. I just want two hundred pounds. That's Let's all I want. See what happens. Like, if anyone listening, give me two hundred pounds. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, I just, I just wanted two hundred pounds. Yeah. Like so, that's what I used to charge. And then when the manager sort of started doing things for that voiceovers. So yeah. I did like a lot of voiceovers. Um, and then I was like, I got, I got 350 pounds for that. That's when I was like, one second, there is money to be made. 100%. But it's, it's almost like, you know, you've got to like dig a little bit to try and see where it, where, where it actually is. That's why we talk about it here. Because when realizing that so many people have no idea that they should be being paid yeah. and they can be yeah. paid. So it's really important. But and for, for, yeah, but for a, for a long time, a lot of the work that I did was in order to garner the experience in order to be good enough to get paid for it. Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah. you definitely was good enough <laughs> and you did it. And you made that move, like you said, to Capital Extra in 2016. Go yeah, girl. Oh my gosh. That was a time. I know. So uh, what was it like making that move from community radio to national radio? Petrifying. Okay. Petrifying. Break, break down the petrification. Yeah, like, and, and the thing is, like I said, I don't really get nervous. Yeah. Okay. But... You're in a room by yourself. Yeah. Which people, again, don't know. Ah, oh, listen. We you're, are by ourselves. You're in this spaceship, yeah? And yeah. you're like, any button. <laughs> any, <laughs> any, like, because all you really do is, you know, the um, carts and the mic, innit? Yeah. Like, carts is where we put the music. And um, so I'm having to, so I've realised now, because I'm about to start Radio 1, in Oh, yeah. Sorry. Fun. But, no, so I've realised now that I have used four different systems for yeah. radio across my career. So we used to use Myriad mm -hmm. at Rinse. Rinse yeah. And then when I started Capital Extra, it was Genesis. That's right. Then they moved to Zeta. That's and right. And I don't even know what this BBC one is called. It's very difficult. Um, I think they use a form of Myriad. It, it looks a bit myriad -ish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just if, if you're not a radio presenter I know, we're talking producer, ra real radio jargon when, right now. <laughs> I know, we're such nerds. But basically, it's not just speaking that you have to think about when you're on the radio. Yeah. You control everything. And especially if it's not an automated system like it is at Capital Extra. Yeah. You know, if you don't press the buttons, if you don't control the levels, nothing plays out. So I was very aware of that when I started Capital Extra. At Rinse, if I went off air, I'd get like my boss being like, you're right. And I'm like, I just lost the songs. Where are they? Whereas at Capital Extra, I don't know how many people are listening. Yeah. You know, this is taxi driver in the cab. I I'm, I'm fueling the night out. If I go off it's air, I'm, that's it. That's yeah, the end so of it. so true. Yeah. And I was, I was just very aware of like, this is my one opportunity and, and sort of, in the years since and, 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 and subsequently, I realised that it's not your one opportunity and, and you get many shots, you get many rolls of the dice. Mm. But at the time, I was like, if I don't smash this first show, oh. I have to go back and beg for my job in whatever place. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So That is not your portion. No. So <laughs> luckily it went well. But again, if I listen back to early Capital Lecture shows, I can hear myself shaking. I can, and I remember the first link I did and it was into TLC No Scrubs and I was like, it's No Scrubs because I ran out of air. Yeah, I remember that. Oh my gosh. I can't even remember. Like, I think I blur out 
the uncomfortable times. Literally. <laughs> yeah. There's to. certain points of my life I have no recollection yeah, of. Yeah, but them. as a presenter, you you always embarrass yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you always say something wrong or you fall over or yeah. like, you know, you're you're not as knowledgeable as you should be about something or whatever it is. So you have to have like a defense of like, let me just put that in the in the back cave. Yeah. That didn't happen. You're right. Then... It's a proper defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you just ignore that. Like, mm-hmm. Ignore that. But you you spent six incredible years at Capital Extra. Um, three of those doing the evening show. Mm-hmm. Three of them being the breakfast babe. I come know. on. Oh uh, my God. That was good times. You killed it. You smashed it. And like, you know, like I said earlier, you had such loyal listeners yeah. as well. Um, what's something you wish someone told you about radio before you got into it? That... What do I wish someone told me? That that it becomes your life. I I, I think that radio, people who work in radio, we are so consumed by it. It's true. And everything that you see in a day is content. And you're like, how do I talk about this? How do I talk about that? And it's really hard to, especially breakfast. Yeah. It's really hard to compartmentalize. Um, and I and I do I do wish actually that someone told me that um, it's it's a lot more difficult than it looks. Yeah. And whilst I do think that presenting and, and radio comes somewhat easy to me because of the type of personality I have and the fact that I can multitask quite efficiently. Yeah. Um, you know, like for instance, if you're a TV presenter, someone can just watch you on mute in the barbershop and it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. But on radio, if you don't say something, if you nod, that is silence. Yeah. So to have to continuously keep that conversation up and to have to you know, always be prepared because so, so, things go wrong true. all the time. So you know, true. especially if you're dealing with machinery, it might just start playing two songs and the news out of one car. You know, that's happened before. Listen. And you're there like, how am I in this pickle? The ads are playing, the news is playing. I'm talking, Chris There's- Brown's singing. Those dreaded pre-records that don't oh. go how you want them to do. Yeah, or when you want to play a little clip out and, and it's just air and you're like, well, it sounded good, you know? Like, <laughs> So I think that someone had told yeah. me that actually it's not just, hi, you're listening to Yinka, this is Capital Extra. It's, you're listening to Yinka, it's Capital Extra. This bed is really loud. Yeah. Like, you know, the fire alarm might be going off. It's hot in this studio. <laughs> There's somebody running because Chris Moles is doing something crazy over there. And like, I wish that, yeah, I knew how hard it was. I'm glad I didn't yeah. because learning it was very fun. Yeah. But I, I think that working in media, I think anyone can attest to it, that it is so much more challenging than, mm. than you realise. But it becomes your life. Definitely. Well, speaking of challenges. Oh, one thing I think made me realise Yinka is a fighter, persistent. <laughs> she will not be labelled as or pressured to do anything she doesn't want is when during the pandemic, you said, okay, I'm going to record from home because you have, you, you formerly had a heart condition, which made... No, I still got it. Oh, you still yeah, have yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I was born with it. It's life. Okay, life so it, you that's why you was considered a, a, a vulnerable, high risk, yeah, high risk vulnerable, yeah. vulnerable person during the COVID pandemic. But also, during that time, you said, right, I'm going to record breakfast from home. Yep. And then every week, I'm going to record my true crime anniversary series without fail for a year. Nobody asked me to do that, you know. Absolutely <laughs> no one asked Yinka to do these things. She no said, one said, do you know what's missing? Capital Extra Breakfast presenter doing true crap. No, no one, no one. But I was like, I need to fill these days here because I, I can feel every minute, every second ticking by. I was working out twice, twice a day, Ramel. I lost my mind. I literally remember, I'm messaging you like, Yo, Yinka, how you doing inside, man? Because like, Cause I went into you I went never into went outside. isolation before any of you lot. Literally. Yeah, I remember it was the 16th of March, man. It was the day before <sighs> St. Patrick's Day. You know, I'm half Irish. So I was very sad. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, that, no, that yeah. for me proved yeah. that anything you set your mind to, you will do it. You will achieve it, <laughs> and you will do it well as your parents decided. Yeah. So. What was going through your mind at that time? <laughs> so what it is? Hear me out, right? What it is? Yeah, is that um. So obviously I had to broadcast from home yeah. and then everything became dining room FM, you know, and yeah. like shout out, shout out hubby. Yeah. Because this guy was walking, he'd be walking upstairs and I'd be like, do you mind? I'm on the radio. But, <laughs> so, but I have always had an interest in true crime and mm-hmm. in documentaries. And I've been a consumer um, of true crime for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And I've always wanted to get into the documentary space and I had, already started and I, th- I think my first documentary was finished 
it came out in 2020, but it was finished oh, by the time the pandemic happened. Okay. So I'd already started, and I'd already started the anniversary as yes, well. Yes, I remember, yeah, On yeah. Instagram, but I was doing it randomly whenever I, whenever I sort of had time. Yeah. And then, you know, when we had nothing but time, yeah. I thought, well, if you're ever going to do it, follow your own advice and just start. If you want people to see that you're capable or you have a passion or whatever it is, yep. follow your own advice and start because nobody's going to DM you and say, hey, do you want to host this true crime series? You laugh at Stormzy's shoes for a living. Why are they going to ask you to investigate a murder? Why are they going to ask you to, you know, cover this case or whatever it is? So I just followed my own advice and did something that brought me some satisfaction. I wouldn't say that it brought me joy because obviously it's very sensitive subject matter. But I wanted a place for myself to sort of just investigate this, this interest that I had and see if I could create true crime content that was, you know sort of not gregariously indulging in it and trying Mm. to find out about the killer and making them famous and all this sort of stuff, but responsible true crime and doing it in a way that showed my my skills in terms of being able to speak concisely and speaking to time on radio. And then that's that's why I did it. And even now I still miss it. Because yeah, I miss the, obviously I I still like investigate stuff in my spare time. So all I'm not doing is recording a, a show. Yeah, that's your interest. You actually yeah, are interested it's one of in my it. interests. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, all I'm not doing is like you know pressing record, and I gave that camera away because my nephew wanted it. Oh, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, and I, and I and I'm very proud of it actually because nobody a lot a lot of the time when you reach a certain point in your career where you feel like you are somebody. Yeah. You think that someone has to hire you to do things. Definitely. But creating a space of your own, regardless of how many people watch it, regardless of how many people tell you that this is a bit weird and mm. why are you doing that this is a bit different doing it anyway I think is just you enjoying the ride that is life yeah and that's what I want to do like I just want to I want to do the things that I'm interested in yeah and I didn't know how to show tv stations and you know if it's a podcast or whatever it is that I can do this I was like well why are you waiting you didn't wait to get on rinse you didn't yeah. wait to get on capital Lecture. you didn't wait for all these things so why now have you become cautious no, same yeah, same so. ethos, same mentality that got you where you are. Yeah, and it's like, for instance, you doing this podcast. Like, if you waited for a sponsor to come and say, "Hey, Ramel, do you do you want?" You wouldn't be this far down the line. You yeah. wouldn't be this established. So, just being you know a person, and all of us are people, but I mean like a public person, you yeah. know, a, a, a figure or whatever it is, someone who is booked, someone who does have representation. Why does that stop you from starting your your own thing? I think people get a little bit embarrassed sometimes thinking, oh, if it doesn't work, then everyone's going to see it as a failure. Okay. Yeah. But you tried. Shoot your shot, man. Yeah. And if you enjoy it and if you get something out of it, if you get something out of it, then how how is what? Because 100,000 people didn't watch it. So you watched it. Yeah. I sit back and watch my my TikToks all the time. (laughs) I think it's great. I can't lie. I do that too. Sometimes I'll be watching a reel like... And then the joke you know, like, is so true. Like I actually find my content the best, very, very fulfilling. Exactly. <laughs> and if you find it fulfilling, yeah, why can't you? Why can't you put it out there? What it's because because so a thousand people didn't comment. All right. It's so so true. Well, clearly, it all paid off because you are all over our TV screens, which I absolutely love, and you really proved yourself to be the true crime babe, yeah. which I think is such an amazing extension of who you are because you know we saw that you're the funny person in the mornings but let's get deep in the evenings with Mm. your documentaries Mm. so first of all huge congratulations because uh damalona the boy next door your channel four debut is an award-winning documentary that's huge and i'm so proud of you thank you and it was personal so how did that actually come about um let me not lie what? No, no, no. Like when I, no, no, no. Which story should I tell today? No, I'm like, how did it actually happen? Because, okay, no, I remember. I remember. I couldn't remember. So what happened was I was going into a meeting at Channel 4 with my agent, Courtney. She's my mm-hmm. manager. She's one of my really good friends. She's amazing. And she is 75% of the reason as to why I'm booked in the way that, that I am booked. Mm-hmm. I give myself 25% because she would want to give, she would she would be mad if I said 100. And you turn up to do it. So yeah, that helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, we went to a meeting and it was just a sort of like hello and all this sort of stuff with some of the execs at Channel 4 I'd mm. never worked there before I'd never met them before I'd only ever seen the building when I was sort of like running from like Victoria and um, it just came up in conversation when I was t- talking about myself and my life and you know you always have to sort of sell yourself in 100%. a way as, as a presenter show what you're about 
And, but this didn't feel like that. It felt very different. Yeah. I mean, I brought cake to the oh, meeting. bless you. It was 11 o'clock, you know, 11 is a little bit of tea. That's cute. Um, I like that. I'm gonna yeah, write that down. That's yeah, a good tip. Yeah, bring cake, man. <laughs> and, um, but we were talking and I was saying where I grew up and I grew up in North Peckham Estate and we moved and all this sort of stuff. And then someone asked me like, oh, where, when were you in North Peckham? And I said, we moved out in 2001. And they were like, oh, well, you would have known Damalola Taylor. And I was like, yeah. And that's all I kind of remember of that. And then it sort of escalated without me, you know, when mm. they go away and have their conversations. And then I met the production company and I met the director, the, Ashley, who ended up being um, our director, who's amazing. Mm. And um, how it actually got a commission, they wanted to tell the story anyway. Yeah. And I do think that I was the right, well, one of the right people. Yeah, the, to, the, 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 the contributors were amazing. Cause yeah. I, I know quite a few of them as yeah. well. And I was like, this makes so much sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, anyone really can tell the story because all you need is are the facts. But yeah. I think having the lived experience from the journalistic side of, of things yeah. uh, really made a difference as to how the film felt. Yeah. And um, I told them that I think, because I never watched it, but I think I was in a panorama when I was 11. And I was like, I think I remember, I remember the presenter yeah. coming to my house. I remember having the conversation. I remember us having to move stuff around. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm in it. So if, if it does get commissioned, that would be a really good thing to have because whilst you don't need proof to show that you existed, yeah. this is concrete. It was within weeks of him passing away yeah. that they came and interviewed us. And the first scene that we shot of that documentary was me in my flat watching myself on panorama wow. and that was the taster that we filmed and I that's remember what we sent the that's what we sent to the footage yeah. was like perfect yeah, and, and that, just to see baby yinka and, and i look exactly the same <laughs> yes pretty much just a bit more weary um <laughs> but yeah and then that was the first thing that we shot and it was months before we started filming it yeah and we sort of submitted it to i don't, I don't even know what that package looked like but it was submitted to channel four and i and i think after seeing that and, oh God, yeah. and sort of seeing me sitting in you know our flat with my brother just picking his nose um he's still annoyed about that was that color no it's ade oh <laughs> <laughs> my other brother the yeah. elusive second brother but after seeing that and just sort and even me having to relive that because I've never spoke about it before. Yeah. Well, obviously now I've spoken about it a lot, but up until we filmed that documentary, my family and we talk we talk a lot. Yeah. But we had never spoken about Damalola Taylor, and wow. we I think it was just too painful. Yeah. So it being so honest that I actually hadn't investigated this part of myself, I hadn't relived this, I hadn't gone inside and thought about what it actually meant to have that happen around and to you at that age and the subsequent removal of us from the situation and then mm -hmm. your life since then um yeah even when I watched it I thought oh my gosh like this is insane this is so powerful yeah and I'll be very honest with you and and and, and uh, I've said this before I don't think it's made many edits but um it was really hard to make that film I can imagine uh, it was like a baptism of fire into the tv world it was the first documentary I'd done and before that, I'd only ever done like four music and yeah. you know magazine shows and stuff. So to be able to, to be able to investigate and do a bit of a, a, a biographical sort of piece for my first film, yeah. it, 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 not many people get to do that in their careers. Definitely. And also to be able to tell our story and have some control over the way that it's seen because you know when something like that happens in an area I mean Peckham especially back when when we were younger was such a high crime area and I was yeah. in the epicenter of it when you um when you that's your, it's hard to reconcile that to who you are now yeah and and it was it was so strange to talk to my sister about something I see my sister almost every day yeah but to have that conversation that we've never had before to meet my old best friends to meet Cornelius who who, yeah. who had moved out to meet the police who investigated the crime gosh you know it was it was and I, I say amazing I don't mean amazing and oh wonderful amazing I mean like I was amazed by the the emotions and everything that went through me while yeah. filming it and then when we started winning all these awards it like, obviously it's incredible but there was just something in the back of my mind being like yeah but if you if he if he if he was alive you wouldn't have done this film yeah. and and you know like and that's where especially with true crime and especially because that's the sort of tv that that I, that I make quite often yeah um i always have to think you know in an ideal world you wouldn't have this job this job would not exist okay if the world was in a better place, people wouldn't consume this sort of content yeah. if they weren't 
scared or they weren't curious or whatever it is about the darkness of human beings. So I try to be very responsible when I'm making documentaries and and when I'm creating this content to not revel in it too much. And I think that Damalola was a perfect example because this happened to us. This was my friend. Yeah. So I'm telling you this story because you're interested in it, but these are the real world consequences of it. Definitely. So even when I'm doing my acceptance speeches, I'm like, thank you, but you know, like, I would prefer not to be here. Yeah. I'm so grateful and and I'm so happy that everyone gets to see, you know, what an amazing area it is that we grew up in and it isn't all, like, death and destruction, but this is real. Yeah. If you know what I mean. 100%. Yeah, sometimes I have to sort of, like, take a step back and think, all right, why are you making this film? Mm. Are you making this film because you want to be on TV? Because you want to get an hour on telly and tell everyone you're a presenter? Or do you want to tell this story? Yeah. Because I think doing things solely for the attention, especially in the realm that I work in, in the genre that I often work in, you have to be a bit careful. 100%. Uh, you're speaking so, so like profoundly about this because I, I do feel like I've gone into meetings and had conversations. I'm like, tell us about... Like, and sometimes they want to dig up some dark stuff and yeah. you're like, yo, I don't like, actually want to do that, you know? Like, yeah. it, And I, I respect that you are very, you know, self-aware that yeah. this isn't an uncomfortable experience, but at the same time, you're a storyteller. Yeah, so, and, and actually one of the biggest stipulations that I had with Damalola specifically was if his dad does not give me permission, like I need to talk, I need to talk to his yeah. dad. And if he doesn't give me permission, there's no way that I would do this. You guys can get someone else to do yeah. the film. And everyone was a bit like, oh, you know, let's see, let's see, let's see. And they understood. Like, yeah. I mean, Channel 4 are amazing. I mean, that's my house. You know? yeah. I mean, like they're, <laughs> they're, they're amazing. And Ashley, the director, is, is he's truly a wonderful guy. Aww. And then um, his dad was the first person that I interviewed. Amazing. And then I asked him, like, specifically, or, or explicitly, should I say, I was like, do because I'd never met him before because he, really? did, he didn't live there. And then by the time he okay, came to yeah. visit, we were being like penned in and they yeah. had closed the road off and all that. And it was, and then I, I was 11. So it's not appropriate for me to go up to this man who's just like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the first time I met him was um, during the interview. I, and, and I just said to him, do you mind if I tell this story? Yeah. And I, and I told him exactly what I had planned to do, exactly what it was. Yeah. I'm not focusing on the perpetrators of the crime. It's not about that. I'm not yeah. dragging all this up. I just want to, I want people to know that your son was loved. Definitely. That's, that, that's, that's my aim here. Yeah. And that, you know, if it wasn't, I, I know we can shoulda, woulda, coulda, but if it wasn't for these, these circumstances, I want you to know that when he was in England, he had friends. Yeah. And me and my family were definitely those people. And so when he said, go and do it, I was like, oh, we've got to do it. Thank like, God, yeah. yeah. Thank God you got the blessing. Amen. More than anything. Yeah, it's so amazing. important. Well done. Thank you. See, this is, what, this is what I meant by there's things I didn't know. I know you, but I didn't know that. I know. It's, it, I think that it's so, it's so difficult sometimes with people. Like, you know, some people only see the documentaries that I've made, and I've made quite a few. So they see them, and then they might go on my Instagram and be like, why is she? <laughs> why she? is she at the Creed thing? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's that because, because I think that for me, just like you can you can go home and you can watch Love Island and then you can watch a little bit of Come Down with Me. Then maybe you might now watch a true crime show. Then you might go listen to some music and then you might be watching this morning. You're allowed to do many things. Of course. And I think that as like a presenter, journalist, broadcaster, whatever you want to call us, I haven't actually discovered what the word for what we do is. Um, you're allowed to do different things as well. Yeah. And as long as you consider what you're doing and don't spread yourself too thinly, then I think that you're, as long as you have a reason for doing things. Definitely, definitely. You mentioned Courtney, your yeah, agent. Yeah, my darling. Who keeps you booked and busy. Yeah. And of course, as you mentioned, you've done a lot more TV since uh, Damino the Boy Next Door. From your two-part documentary, How to Hire a Hitman, that was sick. Thank you. I was Involved. I was that, nervous. Oh my gosh, that was so good, which allowed you to travel America for the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. as well. Um, you've hosted two series of Unapologetic. Mm-hmm. Come on, mm-hmm. book, book. Big We're loving easy. it. You've joined Steph's Pat Lunch as a presenter, which is incredible. And you're on the new series of Naked, um, Naked Education, which is the spin-off of Naked Attraction. Yes. Yes. And uh, it's just so good to see that you're, like you said, you're doing everything in your own way you're being versatile you're not afraid to show different sides to you um so how important is it to have an agent that is on the same page as you understands what you need and want and is is fighting for you out there well when people ask me because i'm represented by insanity which of course has some incredible names (laughs) on their roster so it's a little bit intimidating um i mean you are part of the incredible names so i was fishing Okay. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, joking, I'm, joking, I'm glad I, I caught it and threw it back. Cool. <laughs> she said, and here is your card. <laughs> Salmon for the lady. 
Um, no, so like when, when people ask me what it's like to be represented by Insanity, which obviously has a massive roster, um, I think they're amazing. Mm. They have taken my career, Courtney specifically, who is my manager, has and become my very good friend, has taken my career and just sort of just like thrown it into the atmosphere and in a very considered directional sort of way. Mm. There's always been a plan. I know exactly what it is that I want to do. Yeah. And sometimes I have to do this and sort of like go around and get there, but I know what that is. I know my direction of travel. Yeah. Um, so I would say having a manager who doesn't understand you or doesn't have a plan for you is probably worse than not having a manager. Ooh, tell them again. And I only, I only say that because my manager is amazing. Yeah. And I think the conversations that we have and the way that we understand each other, you know, like sometimes we'll be sitting there and people will be talking and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But in my head, I, I'm, in real life, I'm like, okay, okay. And she knows, she she knows my language. Yeah. She understands my family situation. She, and, and it's not, it's not necessarily the norm for manager client relationships to be as close as we are. We just really get on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the reason I say I think it's worse is because if someone doesn't believe that you can do what you think you're going to do, they're not going to push you to the full extent. If someone yeah. doesn't believe in your character or your ability or your passion or your talent, then they're not going to be selling you yeah. and pushing you and mentioning your names in rooms that they've never heard of you before. Exactly that. And that's the job of a manager to, to push you into atmospheres and into rooms where your name wouldn't necessarily have been mentioned. Yeah. And if there is a disconnect there, then it's not, it's not going to work well for you. I agree. And no one's going to believe in you as much as you believe in yourself until you meet a manager who believes in you. Right. That because is true. I'm telling you right now, like I, I said to Courtney on the day that we met, yeah, yeah. we've been together because it's, it's a relationship. So we've been together. <laughs> I want to say like four years or five years. So it's been four or five years that I've been with her. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So it's, I think it's it was coming... midway cup of twitch, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's before breakfast. Yeah. So it's a so it's about four years, yeah. right? That I've been with Courtney. On the day, on the day that I met her, I told her that I wanna be the new Ross Kemp. Okay. I was like, I, I was like, I love Ross Kemp. Yeah. I was like, I think he's sick, but I, I think, I think, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a new girl in town. New. And I said to her, I love Judge Judy because you know I love Judge Judy. <laughs> you do love and Judge. And I was like, Judy. I love Trisha. And I was just, I was just mouthing off yeah. all these things. And then, and then I was saying to her, like, I want to do a fitness campaign. And she's there, like, okay, it's wow. nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. And she has done everything that I said. Like, I actually yeah, have to like think of new things. Every month I'm like, okay, what, what can I what can I do that's new? What, what can I, I test new? Courtney on this yeah, week? Yeah, because she comes through. Like, <laughs> she's a that. very established manager. She's she's looked after insanely famous people. Yeah. And the fact that she even was like, yeah, I'll get what Mrs. Peckham, come on, <laughs> like, is is amazing. I can't big her up enough. Obviously, I work very hard. Yeah, and, of course. And I and I have to I have to do the job that she says I can do. Yeah. As well, there's nothing worse than someone bigging you up and you go there and you're just shaking like a leaf and you're yeah. like, I, I don't know the words. So, but I would say. Having a good manager mm -hmm. is so much more important than having a manager. Oh, you know, it's, so, it's, 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 I know it's an oxymoron, but like. No, because this is the thing. People are out here signing up to these random book agencies that aren't even real and thinking their lives are gonna change. That's not the case. No. You need to have someone that believes and, in your source. Yeah, and, and also, if we go back to the only advice that I ever give everyone, just begin, mm -hmm. yeah. They'll find you. Yeah. That managers find you. 100%. Like you said, you've had such an incredible journey so far. You're just getting started, baby girl, oh. which I'm so proud of. Um, but before we leave, it was sad to see you leave Capital Extra. I know you're doing amazing things elsewhere and Radio One is around the corner, but I know that couldn't have been an easy, easy decision to make. Do you know what? Like leaving Shayna. Because that's my babes. Like Shayna's my like Shayna's my G. Yeah. Like we we were we met because of radio. Like I found her. Yeah. Like when we were looking for, for a like co a co-host. Yeah. yeah. And it was just for Saturdays actually. But oh I god, always yeah, you lot one before me. Yeah, 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 Exactly. <laughs> that was cute. Exactly. And you're like, oh my god, they're here. <laughs> like, no, you lot were you were there and leaving, so it's fine. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my god. No, it was I think it was Will before before was used to the early mornings. Oh anyway, yeah, yeah, it wasn't I'm me. Di I'm digressing. Guys, I don't do early mornings, sorry. Um but. <laughs> no, but um yeah, leaving Shayna was really difficult. But yeah. what but what it is is that, you know, Post lockdown, yeah, um, there was a period where I was 
was even now at work hasn't stopped of course and like we thank god i yeah. mean like you know we give we give thanks to the most high like all, every day all the time amen and hallelujah Come there on. there was just a time for about a year where the schedule was was unbearable you were doing the most yeah because flying that, in yeah, so so I'm I'm just gonna let, 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 let even when I say it, I'm like that didn't happen. Like, but it did. But it did. Yeah, like, it I'm did. like that's not possible. So imagine, I I remember I was training for the marathon. Yeah. And while training for the marathon, I started filming the Hitman documentary. Okay. And then obviously I'm doing breakfast, and then we got the call that we got unapologetic as a season. Bloody hell. So I ran the marathon. And then went to America the next day for two weeks. I remember that. Because I was like, how are your legs even able to get to the I flight? I was annoying the flight attendants, you know. <laughs> you I like, I, like, Sorry, I just got a stretch. <laughs> I just got a stretch. But yeah, like, so, so then imagine. I, yeah, so I ran the marathon, went to America, two weeks, came back, did breakfast, started unapologetic. Yeah. So, and then I was filming unapologetic, the Hitman documentary, the stuff in the UK, and doing breakfast at the same time. Damn. So my days were like... 15 hours long damn, and don't get me damn, wrong damn. that's sick like that to, you was able to do yeah, it but to go, to go from pulling a pulling pants being like i'm a presenter <laughs> would you like a top do you know what i mean like to being that busy is yeah. amazing but there comes a point in life where you have to actually ask yourself like are you taking up space yeah and what is your future because i i could have stayed on capital extra and been happy there yeah and done well there and stayed with stayed with one of my best friends yeah that you know talking rubbish in the mornings on the radio <laughs> waking everyone up pranking people and all that sort of stuff but if i don't make the decision that you have to move on now mm -hmm. how is anyone else going to do breakfast on capital extra mm. so if i move robert comes yeah. someone new starts then someone can like it's all shifting you can't you can't gatekeep like this and that's the this is the conversation i was having I mean, with myself that, i mean you was doing amazingly so i, I wouldn't yeah it wasn't it. no yeah, no no it wasn't just... it wasn't like i was there for 15 years and, that, <laughs> yeah. and all that sort of stuff like no of course but if it got to the point where this is now i'm like oh i've got radio oh, i've got a way if, if you start yeah. to think like that then maybe this space isn't for you anymore yeah. and I, it was a, it was a massive consideration and i miss it still yeah, i, I still miss it i still miss it i mean i do not miss waking up at the crack of christ of course not but yeah. i'm about to start that on radio one anyway <laughs> Um, but I do, I do miss it. But I, I just thought to myself, if TV is what you want to do, then you ha it, sometimes, you know, making the decision to move from your day job into the creative is, is the hardest choice. Oh, I was literally going to ask that because I'm sure there's people listening and thinking, yeah, ah. no, it's the hardest choice. But I think that, that, but making decisions to leave anything that is comfortable you know capital was my full-time job it really was, yeah. five days a week yeah for for six years yeah you know i was like yeah i'm just gonna say bye to that and then like hope for the best yeah. and hope that people want me in the way that i hope that they like yeah it was it was it was really tough like it was a very very heavy decision which is mad because we're just playing D-Block Europe. Like, it's like, <laughs> why is it? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's mad that this is so fun, but the decisions are really heavy. Like, yeah. Because if you don't work in, in me, and I'm not, I'm not saying that if you don't work in media, you don't understand, because of course you understand, you, you, you have decisions to make all the time. But if you don't realise that these decisions between, you know, like going to the premiere, not going to, and all, mm -hmm. that they actually have weight. Yeah, of course. It's weird. Because you never know who you're going to meet at that premiere, yeah. or you never know what's going to, like, I love that you've summed this up so perfectly because I, my question was, how is it kind of deciding where your dreams are? But you pretty much you have to, you have to do perfectly. it. Like sometimes you have to take that leap of faith yeah. to fully focus on yeah. TV or fully focus on whatever it is that person at home is listening. Yeah, and, and also like you have to just like prioritize yourself. Like yeah. I, I always say to people, like you're the star of your own movie. Like you're, you're not good. You're not the. You're the, you are the star of your life yeah so with capital extra what are there like 12 presenters or mm -hmm. whatever you're you might be breakfast but like you're one of many yeah but you you, you have one shot at yeah. this life shoot it baby so you just enjoy as many things as possible yeah. and and sort of battle as many challenges as possible i, I always wonder i try to weigh up sometimes like are you going to be annoyed if you don't do it Oof. because you might be annoyed if you do it like maybe it doesn't go down well or maybe it doesn't it isn't received in the way you want it to be received or maybe no one cares or whatever it is. Yeah. But if you don't do it, will you, will you be annoyed at yourself? No, oh, well done, man. Well done. Oh, I respect we... it. I respect Thank it. You. All right. Well, we've come to my favourite part of the podcast where... Where you... I leave. No, <laughs> no Yinka. 
This is where you give us your top five tips to make it in the mainstream. Okay. <laughs> Let's not talk like that. Well, you started it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> tip number one. Tip number one is just start. Mm, good. Okay, is that it? Yeah, no, that's, no just two? start. Just cool. begin. Whatever it is you want to do, start it. However small, however big, whatever that looks like for you, just begin. Like I said earlier, if you want to be a comedian, tell jokes. If you want to be a presenter, just start bothering people on the road. If you want to do TikToks, download the app. Like, Back. just just start. And try not to get too caught up in audience size and, and what what the, how many people are watching and commenting on what you do because that's mm. not the most important thing. My true crime series did not get the most views, but I got, like, four documentaries out of it. Right, so you got TV. You got the right, the right people were watching. Exactly. Um, tip number two is oh oh tip number two is keep your friends oh that's a good one yeah i've got the same friends that i've always had yeah um and i think that when you do start to make it and you start to meet new people and you start to meet influencers and other presenters and you know other content creators it can be really dazzling sometimes and you yeah. want to go to these parties and you want to do all that sort of stuff but i think like i'm very wary of people who don't have friends from school college uni because yeah. i'm like where are your friends yeah, so I think keep keep your friends because they're the ones who are going to tell you if that dress doesn't look nice. <clears throat> and they're the ones who are going to be honest with you about content. And they're the ones that will push things for you as well. Yeah, agreed. And they'll tell their mates and all that sort of stuff. Um, tip number three is um, ask people how they are. Oh, I do nice. it all the time. It's, it's one of my rules. Wherever I go, if I'm in McDonald's, if I'm in a car. Just random. Yeah, no, if I'm like... If I, when I come here, if, whenever anyone says hello to me. I must say, Yinka greeted everyone yeah, here. And so, I ask everyone's name yeah. and I make sure I repeat it back to them. That's beautiful. So I know like, you know, people's names are here. Like, you know, there was Luke, there was Natalie. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. This is, because I think that it goes a long way. You know, I, I'm, I'm so shocked when I go to a restaurant and a server comes up to me and they say, hey, can I take your order? I'm like, how are you? They, mm. they get thrown off because nobody asks each other how they are. It's true. And I just think, obviously you should care how they are. Yeah. But I think, yeah, asking people how they are and listening to their answer, it goes a long way for you to be be human. Because as a presenter, a lot of the time you're like on a pedestal yeah. and people are a bit... So just to bring that down a bit, like we're all working here. Yeah. And that brings me on to tip number four. Oh, okay, nice segue, I like you that. You are not the most important person in the room. Ooh. And you have to remember that. Like, especially when you do TV and radio, you are the voice box, you're the face of it. Yeah. You know, you're the one that, that's, that has lashes on. But you didn't write the script necessarily. Yeah. You didn't move the sofa. You didn't mic yourself up. You're not recording. You're not the person who was doing the auto cue. You're mm. not the person who booked the artist. You're not the artist. Yeah. You didn't design the set. So putting all of that in perspective, you might be the face of it. I, I, I realise this, especially at Isla White. I do it for Sky Arts. Yes. And um, it's with me, Sean Keevney and Edith Bowman. So there's three of us. And, you know, they will tie your shoelaces if you need them oh, to. Oh, wow. As in, they cannot be more helpful. They are the most amazing people. Yeah. But they're the ones that are holding that really heavy camera. Yeah. Like, have respect for people. Have respect 100%. for people's jobs. You are not the most important person in, in the room. And um, tip number five. Um, oh, gosh. Tip number five would be play the long game. Ooh, how so? Because fireworks are really bright and lovely, but they last about five seconds. Okay. And they they go bang, and it's like everyone's like ooh ah, and then like you forget about it. Like a Catherine wheel, alright. Congratulations. Damn, that was good. But then, you know, playing the long game, being a slow burner, creating warmth, creating mm. an environment. It means that people will get to know you. Yeah. And you can get to know your audience, which I think is more important. I think getting to know people who, who opt into you is more important than what you show them. 100%. So, yeah, I think, yeah, play the long game. Don't be a firework if you can help it. Um, mm. Because, I mean, I have been working in, in media for more than 10 years. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you the amount of artists that I've seen come and go and the amount of, you know, fads and trends, yeah. be it, you know, remember the ice bucket challenge or or when everyone was at passing the hairbrush in lockdown, <laughs> young T and Bugsy, like these things yeah. will come and go, yeah. but I'm still here. Yeah. You know, like, 
And that's that's the beauty of it. Like that's the beauty of also knowing you're not the most important person in the room. Definitely. Is that you always be I will be there. You know, I'm gonna be there to like, you know, I'll be at the Mercury Prize. Yeah. I'll be at Isla White. Yeah. I'm gonna be here. But will everybody else? Mm-hmm. So that's why I think you should, yeah, play the long game. And if it doesn't if it what's not for you won't it's, that's all right, man. I'm here for this. <laughs> I had to clap because that's why I love the top five tips because you always hear some gems that you never expected to hear. Do you that- have like a favourite one from someone? Mm, I think, no, not yet. Not yet. These were good though. Fireworks? Yeah. Fireworks? fireworks. That's up there, you know. I mean, I'm talking to you, fam. Listen, <laughs> fireworks. Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> the fireworks. Like, everyone's like, ooh, ah, and they're like, this is a bit long. Yeah. Can we? Yeah. yeah that Whereas a long fire, you can sit there for hours, bro. Roast a marshmallow. Yeah, I'm gonna, have one. a s'more. We're going to make a little asset for that one. That was yeah. good. Don't be a firework. <laughs> Trust me. Honestly, Yinka, I'm so glad we got to do this. Yay. Finally, you are on the mainstream and you've absolutely shown us that you are killing it in the mainstream, which is beautiful. Thank you. How can everyone follow you, keep up to date with you and... Uh, I, I do I do have a, um, a confession to make, yeah. I'm the only person who calls me the Beyonce of Peckham. It just does, it won't catch on. I mean... It won't catch on. I I was... Don't look at me like that, Ant. I was with <laughs> you. I, I, like, I love that you call yourself that. Yeah. So it's not your friends that say that. No, they're like, nah. Okay, nah. Cool. They're right. like, not even in the band. I was you trying... You be the Matthew. <laughs> I was trying to... It was a compliment. No, it is a compliment. I like I, what I, you said. I take it. I and take I'm it. like, let me use that. Um, Great intro link. Yeah, but yeah no, how for they real. follow you? Um, just Yinka Bikini. On oh, is it, on, is it the same on everything? Yeah, oh, well I don't, I don't like that. I know, I know, but I don't know anyone else called 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 bikini other than your siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because my dad made it up. What? Have I ever told you that? Plot twist. Yeah, what? no, no, no. Oh, so I don't, I don't know if this is true. Yeah, but like basically, I believe. Yeah, I have, I have a theory that when because he came to England like seventies. Bonus feature. Yeah, what? no, no, but he came to England like seventies. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that our surname, yeah, in Nigeria is probably Borokini. Which is a very well-known surname. Fair. Because whenever I meet Nigerians, they're like, "That's not your name." Oh no! And I'm like, "I know, but the like, Nigerians do that." Anyway. Yeah, but like, and, and you know that obviously because I'm half Irish, so yeah, I'm, I'm like, they're out here like, and I'm like, "I am a Imbo." To, to all Nigerians, we're well, Imbo. So. I know, I know. So yeah, so I, I believe that somebody, either my dad's dad or somebody, did a switcheroo. Wow. So obviously it is my name. Of yeah, yeah, it is my yeah, name. it's legal. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, it's on my certificates. But um, no, but yeah. So Yinka Bikini. I don't know how we got there. Just how we can follow you, and now we are now now Homeland Security is going to be doing a deep dive into your ID. That's fine. That's how we wrap up uh, the mainstream. Honestly, Yinka, we love you. This is why we love you. This is why you're here to stay. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.